You are listening to LP Uncovered, a music podcast hosted by myself, Lauren Plant. On this episode, I'm joined by the wonderful American singer-songwriter Elizabeth Moen. A self-taught guitarist, Elizabeth wrote her first songs while a student at the University of Iowa. And since 2016, she has released multiple songs, including her 2018 album, A Million Miles Away. In November 2022, Elizabeth self-released her wonderful new album, Wherever You Aren't. Talking about the album, she describes how these songs are about mental health, joy, panic attacks, falling in love, falling out of it, and accepting that sometimes it will stay with you forever. As evidence across all of her catalogue, Elizabeth Moen can bend any genre to her unique mix of sorrow, hope, and endurance. Her commitment to this album, to her career, and to continually showing up affirms Moen's raw and honed ability to see the truth, face it, and send it back into the world as a beautiful song. I was honoured to chat with Elizabeth at the start of the year, hence the New Year references, and together we discuss each song off the album and the many personal and cultural influences around it. So let's uncover Elizabeth Moan's wonderful album, Wherever You Aren't. so much for coming on LP Uncovered this week, the brilliant Elizabeth Moen. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. You got any New Year's resolutions? Is that a thing? Do you guys do New Year's resolutions? Yeah, yeah. I had a resolution of touring more. And then I actually yesterday found out I got um, a a booking agent. So it was was very quick. I guess the tours haven't happened, but it was a relatively quick... uh, fulfillment of the yeah. resolution so that's super cool anywhere like in particular that you really want to tour or you're kind of just keeping it open um definitely like the coasts here in america in the midwest and then this this guy focuses over here but i'd love to figure out something for europe i would love to tour in europe this year or realistically probably next year yeah have you been to the uk much before yeah, I toured over there um, this year, this summer, with a guy named Kevin Morby. Oh, cool. I was like in his band, um, singing and playing some percussion. Yeah, we played quite a few places in England. Nice. Any highlights anywhere in the UK that particularly stood out? I know the whole place must have stood out, but... Honestly? Oh, God, I forget. Uh, we played this festival called End of the Road. And oh, that was really- yes. I've heard of that. I can't think where that is, though. Kind of in the south, the southwest, I think, is where it was. Oh, nice. Well, that's really bad because I live in the southwest. So, <laughs> should uh, uh, I'll have to Google and check it out. Who else was there playing at the festival? Oh, gosh. Um, the Pixies headlined, Perfume Genius, uh, I think Lucy Dacus. Um, kind of just, yeah, it's like a little indie festival. Nice. Well, obviously, thank you so much for coming on because we're talking about your album, Wherever You Are, which is amazing. Uh, congrats. It's your third studio album and your first full-length album in four years. So how did creating this album differ from your 2018 album, A Million Miles Away? Because I'm right in thinking you recorded it at lots of different studios. Yes. I just took more time with it. Uh, I did a Kickstarter, so I had a bit more of, well, a lot more of a budget um, so I could hire a bunch of different instruments that I have never had on a record. 
when I was touring, I was able to record in various places, like just stop and like crash on couches and just, yeah, this one was just the most, I, I don't want to say professional because that's wrong. Um, it was the most intentional and thoughtful body of work I've ever had. Everything else I was record and then I release. I don't think. And this one I was kind of forced to think. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I've written down that you recorded at Hyde Street Studios, Fame Studios, Hellfire Studios, Flatback Studios, and then many home studios around the country. Which countries yeah. are they all in? Um, The US, Ireland, and Canada. Wow. It's a well-traveled album. <laughs> and I've read you describe it as embodying what making music means to you in terms of connection and introspection. Was the connection side of things, is that, did you enjoy going to different studios and having that kind of like longer process with it? Yeah, it was fun to experience new studios, new, like, I think all studios bring a different energy to things. Um, and I had like a lot of different players. So I think. I really enjoy connecting with other musicians um, engineers. And I got to do that with so many different people for this record that it's very important to me to enjoy the vibe of someone before mm -hmm. making music together. And everyone on the record is a good vibe. So. Cause it's really personal. Like obviously a lot of the songs are really personal. You wrote them yourself. So I guess it's like letting people into that process. It must be kind of like a bit of a vetting process. Be like, do I like you enough for you to be involved in my music? Yeah, or like a, it's really um, just like that. Oh gosh, this sounds like so. I, I can't tell if this sounds douchey or not, but like, <laughs> I don't know, like energy. Like, are yeah. they like? I think sincerity and just being a good. I know, uh, or like being a good person. I don't know. That's like the bear. Like, I don't really like to work with people who. Even if they're super talented, if they have a super negative kind of bad vibe, it's like, no, no. I, don't, I don't care if you're the best. Uh, you're really bringing me down. <laughs> Fair enough. Would you say you're yeah. good at reading people? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I am. Yeah. That's a good skill to have because not everyone is. Yeah. It's, it's good to read people. Maybe I read into things, but then I can also read into things too much. So. Yeah. It's a little balance, I guess. Well, we'll be talking more about the people that you collaborated on the album with because there's like a real like collection of musical instruments that are involved in all the tracks and just so, so good. But I normally talk about the album artwork as well. Really cool artwork. What made you choose that photo? Go for that look? Um, I, I actually, I posted that photo because I did a like promo photo shoot with a friend. And I posted that one and so many people reached out and were like, wow, that photo is so striking. And then I immediately deleted it and was like, oh shit, I want to keep that for something that's not just like a random, like, yeah, oh, so we're doing well, like stupid Instagram posts. Um, and the, the look on my face mm -hmm. could be so many different things. Yeah. In my opinion, it looks like I'm just like staring off into space, but I think most people think it's more than that. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, my, my body and, you know, the length of my hair and like all the stuff, it can always change. Mm -hmm. And I think just having a photo of my face, it's like, obviously my face will change with time um, as, as, as they do. But 
Yeah. Just having it be a face. Mm -hmm. And I was also like cutting it short on time at the very end. Like I was sitting on it doing nothing. And then all of a sudden I was like, let's do it. And then I had like a week to figure out the art. I think it really matches the music really well. And to go through track by track, obviously you start the album with the brilliant headgear. And so I read that you said this came after a bad morning headache where you're maybe feeling like pretty low and and the guitar riff immediately like boosted your spirit. And then the lyrics came shortly after. How often, or do you have a normal pattern with your creator of music where the melody comes first and then the lyrics or does it always vary um it it, yeah it really depends um I I tend to start with guitar just because that's very like therapeutic for me just to noodle around um but lately I've been getting into like writing songs like lyrics like I'll just like go for a walk and like I'll think of something and then I write it down and then Mm. Or I'll like think of a melody and I'll record it and then I'll um, look back to it later. Uh, yeah, there's so many different ways to write a song. I'm trying not to just stay in one little. Yeah. And in, in terms of headgear in particular, obviously it came from that like bad morning headache, so to speak. How quickly did it like form or take shape with the lyrics? Well, I had that guitar riff for a while. And then the lyrics came out in probably like 10 minutes. Wow. I, I edit most songs quite a bit, but that one was just like, meh, done. Yeah, it really depends. It can be 10 minutes. It can be 10 months. And what made you want to start the album off of this one? It's just, it's, it's a strong song. It's upbeat. Well, it's sad, but no, it's not. It's whatever. But uh, it's just, it's a strong song. It also, I released it as a single a few years ago and it was, yeah. it's been my biggest song for a while. So I just wanted to really grab people's attention, I guess. Do you tend to think a lot about sequencing when you put your albums together? Uh, no, but this one, yes. This is, again, up until this record, I I was pretty thoughtless. <laughs> I didn't even care what the titles of songs were. Really? Even honestly, even with this record, I, I really don't, I, something about naming a song, my brain just like shuts off. I'm like, I don't care. That's I, so funny because I love all the titles. I was literally thinking a lot about the titles and I think they're quite like unique and really stand out the titles, but is it more just like a, well, this seems about right. Yeah. I just don't even think it's usually like, oh, this one's about a bike. Where's my bike? <laughs> like, I don't even, I, I love song titles, but I guess for, for my own, I don't really I don't really think about it. But yeah, I think being thoughtful with sequencing, it helps create more of a vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the songs are kind of different from one another. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, I love listening to an album from like start to finish. I know Spotify can encourage, or other platforms can encourage a lot of like just click and listen and then skipping and stuff. But I do really like being able to listen from like track one all the way through. And talking of um, titles, the second song, Synthetic Fabrics, which again, I think it's a great title. I love it. And it just really stands out. How challenging was it to write this one? Because I'm aware that you wrote the verses and the chorus in, in different situations. Yeah, the the chords are very like standard, you know, folk chords or Americana or whatever. Um, but yeah, the lyrics came from two very like emotional kind of moments in my life where, you know, I was having a panic attack on a train in Dublin. And then the other one, I was just thinking about a lot of big choices I, I needed to make 
um, for myself and for my body. And Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the, the verse is about like, you know, being a young woman with a body, like what, what, what do I do? Then yeah, the chorus just kind of spilled out on my little, on my little notes app. Oh yeah. You do a lot on your phone. Yeah. It was type fast. Cool. And I I read you said that Gemma Cohen really transformed this one with her ideas with it. Like, can you go into a little bit more detail about that? Yeah, she liked um, she liked the contrast of the of the lyrics in the verse versus the chorus. And she it was her idea to have there be like more of a shuffle in the chorus and more hits mm-hmm. in the in the verses to give it more of a punch. Cause I was like, ah, this is just some like basic wordy folk song. Like I, I love the lyrics, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's any other folk song I've ever heard. And she's like, no, don't throw it. Cause I was going to throw it away. She's like, don't. Oh, wow. How often do you check with other people? Like at what point when writing a song, would you normally be like, fancy listening to this or like checking, get someone to like have a listen with it? Or will you sometimes just dismiss it yourself? Would you always check in with someone? I usually dismiss it myself. I mean, like, for example, yesterday I was hanging out with some friends for dinner and we're all musicians and we're showing each other songs. And I showed them a song I wrote a couple days ago. So uh, that sounds like a cool dinner party. Yeah, it's like it's either cool. It's either very cool or uh, very douchey. I don't know. <laughs> no, cool. I don't have any songwriter friends and that's that would be cool. Yeah, it's nice to get other people's opinion or like even the act of playing a song to someone else helps you see if you like playing it for other people, you know. Yeah, that's so true. Well, talking of great music, the third song, Where's My <laughs> Where's My Bike? Um, which is jam packed with so many wonderful lyrics. He referenced your mom, you reference your dad. And I love the line, I didn't know I was in a rut until I could feel it in my gut. How much do you, in and out of music, trust your gut? Um, I try and trust it all the time. Um, I think it can make it a little harder to trust your gut. Like when you trust, when your gut says, this is a good idea, and then it's, and then it's not, that can kind of affect how much you trust it moving forward. But I try and make some active growth with like building that trust back with my gut, just making better choices, better, uh, I don't know, choosing people who will actually like follow through with your gut, you know? Yeah, that's Uh, so true. Yeah. And at the end of the song, like right at the end, I like picked up like a whistle or a train noise. I don't know. It's a recorder. Is it? (laughs) In my head, I was like, is someone pulling off on a train station? <laughs> we were just having f- so much fun. And then we were like doing percussion stuff, like all four, myself and my three Irish bandmates were in the studio and just like grabbing random things. <laughs> and Alan, um, the guitarist, the lead guitarist for this song, like just grabbed a recorder and did that. And then he's like, oh my God, take that out. And I was like, that is the only thing saying i love that that's so Uh, cool because i was trying to look under like credits to the song i couldn't see anything about like a whistle or anything i was like oh god i hope i'm hearing the right thing yeah there were so many percussion things at the end there that i just said our names i was like (laughs) uh, 
But I should have. I should have said recorder, Alan Dooley. Yeah. Well, there you go. But Alan didn't think he'll be getting a mention. Well, he might think he'll get a mention about the recorder on a podcast. Is a recorder like a big inch? Like we learn that a lot of primary schools over here. Do you not have that so much? No. No, we no we do for for primary school. Oh, right. oh yeah, no. So that he grabbed one because it's such an annoying sound. Oh god, yeah. Like you play it, and I think like every parent just gets like a bit of like flashback to their child just being horrific yeah we had recorder club at school we we would yeah get together and try and make painful sounds like an actual club of the recorders worse than solo recorder yeah they're 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 worse than numbers for sure apart from alan he's got it he's got it going <laughs> it really hit me so um might <laughs> encourage me to pick up the recorder again you never know oh, number four x's house party um, I love the talking of instruments. I love the gradual. Obviously, got the drums and then the guitar, and then I really like the strings, the violin and cello towards the end. How did this song come together with all the different arrangement and musical instruments? It started with just guitar. It was one of the first songs I wrote in like a more unique tuning, like not I guess just like not standard tuning, and I just wanted to give it like this, like really classic I mean like rock like I, I loved how in like the 60s and like late 60s and 70s bands just went all out they're like we're gonna add strings we're gonna add the most dramatic bass line like just so like over the top mm-hmm. and the song is so over the top and dramatic that I was like let's lean in and also in the 90s like bands like Oasis really leaned into like strings and I love them. I love string sections in rock or like indie rock. It really stands out, doesn't it? Yeah. And it adds so much because there's so much emotion in the sound of a string instrument. Um, So yeah. And it's just like such a good, I, I think having instruments like that have their own little like riff like that. Bum, 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 ba, da, da, da. Like it's just it's it's easy and it's simple, but I think having songs have simple little hooks. Like I, that one is also one of the most popular songs off the record, and I think it has. It's because there are many little hooks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and I don't think about hooks. I don't think about that kind of shit when I'm writing, but after the fact, being like, "Oh, that's what stands out." Let's really lean into that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Have you ever thought about, or can you play like the violin or, or cello or any any kind of those instruments? I've never tried. I'd like it's really to. hard, isn't it? Yeah, I think I could probably figure out pretty quickly like the neck of it, but I should try. You know, have you got very cool guitars behind you? As I can see right now, so very cool. Oh yeah, there's there's a bass. I'm gonna try and learn bass this winter. Oh nice! Another New Year's resolution. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, well, you obviously mentioned Oasis. Who were some of your like biggest musical influences growing up when you were younger? Um, Jimi Hendrix was the classic. Why yeah, I nice. guitar. Um, Rolling Stones, uh, Sade. Family listened to a lot of Sade. Oh, nice. Um, back in the day, uh, <laughs> we also the Killers. The Killers played oh, yeah. every Sunday on the way to get groceries and back really anything. I listened to a lot of 
a lot of older stuff, but then I also, once I was in high school, really fell in love with Alabama shakes. Mm. Um, really loved Sam cook and Otis Redding when I was really young, really loved their voices. They obviously like very much inspire, um, me as a vocalist. Yeah. That kind of leads on to <clears throat> number five, soft serve, which I was very drawn to. It has more of like a, a jazzy feel with the yeah. saxophone. And I was wondering if there was any particular music that essay influenced this song. Because like I said, I kind of picked up like jazzy notes within it. Yeah, this one, I just wanted to write a lovey-dovey, like little summer song. And this one also spilled out really fast. But then the original lyrics were terrible. So then I rewrote them in the studio this like an hour before we recorded it. Where I was like, yeah, whatever, let's lean into the cheese, but make it a little tastier. And um, yeah, this one is definitely inspired by, yeah, like R&B, a little bit of jazz. But the wordiness of it, I wanted to like still keep it, you know, in the folk zone. I love the lyrics. Uh, love songs are better when they don't have to hide. Any love songs? Like, what would be your top favorite love songs? If you were to name a few, I know I've put you on the spot here. Oh God, there's so many, so many great love songs. Um, whoa, sorry. <laughs> oh, it's a great question. For some reason. This is not the greatest love song. Okay, so but coming to your head. I love I Want to Hold Your Hand by the Beatles. Beatles. Nice. Oh, the I May Not, uh, God Only Knows. But Beach, Beach Boys. Boys, yes. And then in my, oh, In My Life by uh, the Beatles. Oh, I don't know if I know that one. There are places I remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That one's great. There's so many, so many great love songs. Oh, The Very Thought of You. That one's good. Who sings that one? Uh, who is it? Albert something. Uh, it's great. Oh, nice. I mean, Beatles, Beach Boys, off the top of the head, some classics. Yeah. I thought another one just came to you then. But... Now like a millionaire, but <laughs> oh, no. we'll end there. Okay. Yeah. Number six, the brilliant, emotionally available. Again, like, I love the title. I think it's like a genius title. I don't know if it didn't have much thought behind it, but I love it. And um, <laughs> I've read you, like, dedicated it to everyone out there who isn't necessarily emotionally available. How? Because I feel like maybe we're not necessarily aware of our own emotions as much as we should be. So the title, Emotionally Available, really stood out for me. Um, how did the title come about? Uh, this one... I kind of just wrote it down as a joke because it's about emotionally unavailable people. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote it down as a joke and I was like, ah, we'll keep it because it'll make people listen and then realize that it's the opposite. Very clever. Yeah. And the, the, I wanted this one to purposefully sound, I shouldn't say bad, but like the, the verses are very like pretty and sexy and like sultry. Mm -hmm. And they're supposed to be like, oh, like, wow, like you're turning me on. We're feeling comfortable. You're taking me out. Ooh. And then the chorus is intentionally very like weird and 
the chords are very scary and I'm, I'm not, I'm really, I'm actually trying to sing not good. I'm trying to sound like, kind of like, like, like a angry, like little, like feral cat or something. (laughs) Um, of like, I am not emotionally available. Like I, you just want someone to just be honest. Um, cause I find, and I think most people, especially in like the dating world now, cause I wrote the song years ago, but it unfortunately still completely, uh, <laughs> relevant, whether intentionally or not can really lead people on when they aren't, um, honest about where they're at and what they can do. Yeah. And then even so, and then even farther past that, it's like people can be like, Oh, I'm not looking for anything serious, but then they act serious. You know, they act very like invested and involved. But then the minute you start to like say, what are we? They like pull back and they're like, I just can't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what this song is about. It's like, don't waste my time. Don't take me out when I could be, I could be doing other things. Don't waste my time just because you don't know what you want to do with your feelings. Love it. Like the amount of times I've had conversations with friends and they'd been like, he said this, but he's doing that. I'm like, mess with your head. Yes. And it's, um, again, I think I I like to believe that most people are, they don't have bad intentions. I think people deep down, you know, these, these guys who come off as like douchebags when they lead people on and women to people, Mm -hmm. um, they just don't realize they aren't emotionally available. Or they do, but like they want to be something that they aren't yet. And yeah, then the cycle of hurt people hurting people just, but I don't think it comes from, I'd like to hope that they aren't out there intentionally like, I'm going to fuck with these ladies. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe just people aren't in check with their emotions enough and then things spiral. And But talking about your singing, you get the lungs going because you hold a note for like I made a good like 15 seconds Bill Withers does it for 18 seconds so that shows is a long note in his song Lovely Day um do you have to like warm up in particular like in a set list um where does that song come in the set list I like to keep it near the end just because of I think the power that that song has Mm -hmm. especially if I do a big band that one has so many cool things like flutes trombone trombone yeah but i would put it first in a set at least for now i i can hold that i can do that note um yes i love doing it it gets so much out especially that song always takes me back whether i'm currently in that kind of thing yeah but like even when i'm not even if i'm in like a good place with someone or something it just brings me back to this (laughs) Ang- this kind of anger that I don't really f- like to put out there in conversation. So when I sing that song, I can really get this like anger that I have out from just the, the baggage of people. Feels like it's always that challenge to be like, can I keep going during this night? Kind of. <laughs> Nearly. It's a good one to sing along to. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah. This one I... um. And I also end the note with like a ha ha. And mm-hmm. that's it can vary in length live, but my band knows that like once I go uh ha ha like or whatever I end up doing, 
Because I like to end it with like a just like this silly like, all right, fuck this, let's keep going. And then there's a key change. And but once they hear me do something crazy, they're like, all right, key change. Because <laughs> sometimes I hold it longer. Wow. Um, yeah, live I I hold it. Um, sometimes, yeah, like probably more like twenty or so or twenty five seconds. I just like. If I'm like, if I'm actually feeling like pretty angry, I will. <laughs> the band will be like, oh my gosh, I'm on yeah. a bad time tonight. Who is <laughs> <laughs> it now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no, what's happened this time? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh wow, well Bill Withers eat your heart out. Crikey. Number <laughs> seven, differently. It feels like a really reflective song talking about old and new feelings. Um, how often do your reflections form your songs? As in day. Like day to day, I suppose, if that kind of makes sense. Um, I think writing songs is how I reflect. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think when I when I sit down and think about what's going on or about how I feel about whatever, or if I'm thinking about someone else and their story, their current thing, like I think honestly writing something down that rhymes is what helps me process at this point it's a bit of a crutch honestly um like if I can't I feel very like full of thoughts and feelings until I finally write something down um do you like journal things like that or is songwriting your main form of like reflection yes the only time I write things down really but my my aunt who's a therapist actually recently gave me the holidays uh, a gratitude journal oh cool yeah yeah and so for three minutes every morning I I've been writing just like you know little things I'm thankful for maybe a little goal for the day and then a positive affirmation of like all right what's something that I am grateful for that I love about myself today and I can already feel it's only been you know a week or so but I, I already feel like grateful for that grateful for, yeah. yeah yeah that's really good I yeah I try and journal most evenings and every evening I try and say what I'm grateful for that day and it kind of seems like bring you back into like perspective of things if you had a bit of a rubbish day and then suddenly you're like what actually am I grateful for oh well I'm actually grateful that I'm with my friends and family and blah blah, blah. yeah yeah it, I, I've it's made me realize like almost what I've been missing out on with journaling. Um, And, you know, maybe in the future I can look back at uh, things I've journaled and that could also help with writing songs. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of people would be grateful for your album, like me. So there you go. Number eight, (laughs) Clown Song. Um, Where did you get the lyrical inspiration for this one? Because is it Sarah McKirk? Have I said that right? McKirk. McKirk. Does she get in, so she got involved in the writing process? Yes, so she's um, my best friend, and she, her and I met when she was in grad school for poetry. Okay. So in Iowa City, there's this thing called the Writers Workshop, and it's the number one grad program in the world for poetry and fiction. Wow! And it's it makes Iowa City actually like a a city of literature, um, like. Kurt Vonnegut went there and taught there and like a lot of, a lot of like famous writers. And anyway, she's extremely talented. And I had this song about 
you know, me, but like a clown who mm-hmm. is just constantly um, trying to impress people and like, you know, make people like them and real like the, you know, the, the clown finally turns around and is so busy trying to impress people at the circus that it doesn't even see that there's this giant storm coming in. And if they don't leave soon, they're going to, they're not going to be okay. And I showed, you know, my best friend, the song and she is obsessed with clowns. She like loves clowns. She oh has, my like, God. Of, like, I know. Like, a, but I love her for it. She has yeah. a lot of little clown figurines and stuff. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? This is a very lyric heavy song. Why don't I step out of my comfort zone and try and finish it with my friend who isn't a songwriter, but is obviously a very good poet. Mm -hmm. And we had a lot of fun because I think she can be that way too. We're both very like extroverted and we love like being the life of the party, making people laugh. But then sometimes we can step back from that and be like, why am I trying to convince these people that I'm worthy of them liking me, you know? Uh, so it was a good one to write together, to write with a friend, to like really look down at that kind of vulnerable truth that I think we both can feel in ourselves. And it, it honestly, it made us, we were already best friends, but it made us even closer. Cause it was like, Oh, you feel that way. I feel that way. I love you. <laughs> she must be like loving well, the clown song. That's probably like her favorite song of all time now as well. Loves she actually, her favorite song is differently. Oh, that, that's actually my favorite song of the album, but I do love the clown song as well. <laughs> um, although I don't think I'd want to go to her house if it was too late, like at night time. The clowns sound a little bit like scary, like little figurines as well. That, but each to their own. Yeah, everyone's got their thing. Everyone's got their thing. If it's clowns, it's clowns. And um, I love the line: "The least funny thing is realizing someone doesn't love you on a rainy day." I really like that. Does do you find that like the weather affects your mood? It can. It it can. Um, I think when something sad can happen on a rainy day, it's definitely like the universe is leaning into that. Um, and yeah, like like finding out that something isn't going to work, or finding out some some bad news on a rain. It's specifically rain, mm. like. So true. Snow and other things, it's or just cloudy. It, it just hits different with like this really sad truth is being soaked in looking at the rain. It's like, oh God. But it's really great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the UK, we get a lot of rain. There's the amount of times that we're on mood. I mean, it's a topic of conversation. If you speak to any Brit, most often than not, their opening conversation will be about the weather because we're obsessed about how bad it is. Hey, everyone loves to talk about the weather, but like, I mean, do you feel that way with like, sometimes when it's raining and like, I guess it forces you to maybe be a little, it makes me very pensive or. Mm. I know I'm like, oh, it's when you wake up and you're like, it's raining. And then you look at the forecast, like it's raining all day. And then I'll be like, that'll be my mood. I'm not selling it to live in the UK right now, but if you've got an indoor job and you're happy with that, then. It's good. But yeah, no, it it definitely does impact my mood, I'd say. Snow, on the other hand, I'm all up for snow because that's like a rarity over here. 
Yeah, it's, it's very, snow is so like, oh, fluffy, beautiful. But rain, especially like, I guess, you know, that song, like finding out someone doesn't love you. It's like, especially when you're so, when you want people or a specific person to love you and they, and they just don't. And then you're just like looking out and the rain is pouring and you're like, that's how I feel on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Unrequited love while I was looking at the rain. Oof. Yeah, sad times. The ninth <laughs> song, You Know, I Know. I'm going to give it a go with the people that are involved in the lyrics. Queeva Barry. Yes. Um, Asheen Fur- Furlong. And Alan. Alan Dooley. How did that come about with their collaboration? I had had that song for a while. Oh, was going to throw it away. And then I showed them it. And like, no, we love this song. It's It's got this like classic, like kind of Fleetwood Mackey vibe. Mm-hmm. Great harmonies. Thank you. And that's, that's them. Absolutely. It's a lot of Quiva just stacking her. Um, and then I was like, well, there's just some bits of it that I want to change. And then we were jokingly like, we should write a Christmas song or a holiday song. It sounded Christmassy, yeah, with bells. Yeah. And so a lot of the lyrics, it's not Christmas, but like, um, like one of the lines is, you know, I know I still have that sweater from your sister. You know, I know I still wear it every Midwest winter. Like, um, you know, I know, uh, wagons fall december winds are chilling so the 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 song is about like you know an ex wanting to reconnect but it but being like this isn't healthy and the relationship ending because of addiction issues and enabling someone with addiction like um it's about someone in my past where i realized that like me constantly trying to fix it is not giving him the autonomy to change himself because people don't change until they decide to um yeah so true and i know that you know mental health and addiction you know like things can really come up in around the holidays so like wagons fall like you know falling off the wagon in reference like you know alcohol or or whatever so it's a very heavy song but we wanted to make it feel bouncy and and in light and it was definitely thanks to them that we achieved that of like having this, you know, kind of like Joni Mitchell river type thing where it's a sad holiday. Like let it be sad, but also let it sound happy. Um, Cause I just wanted people to be able to, f- I don't know, have space to feel any kind of emotion within that um, space around the holidays. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's write a, f- let's write a fucking Christmas song. And then we really liked it. And I was like, you know what? I'll throw it on the record. Let's do it. Whatever. So cool. I really did feel like, especially, yeah, it's when the bells and like the percussion comes in, it that really feels, really yeah. feels Christmassy. Um, what's your favorite Christmas song of all time? The Christmas Song by Nat King Cole. Oh, Chestnuts. Yeah. Grossing. Yeah. You can call it Chestnuts. Just Chestnuts. I don't, I don't need to continue just Chestnuts. I don't with Chestnuts. Great song. Great song, Nat King Cole, and more importantly, You Know I Know. Last song on the album, the title track, Wherever You Aren't. A great one to end the album. What 
made you choose this one? Uh, this one I also wrote um, very fast. I wrote it on my notes app in the tour van. Like I just wrote the lyrics down. And then the minute we got to the venue, I sat down with the guitar and just wrote it. And then Gemma Cohen came over and instantly found this like amazing, like kind of spooky harmony. And I was like, we got to record this one. And it's just, I think just a really strong song and it's so simple, but I think that's what I liked about it. It's like no crazy chords, no like crazy lyrics. It's pretty like the words, you know, I'm not using, I'm not painting a crazy specific picture or using like flourishy words. It's like very to the point. Um, and just that line, wherever you are, wherever you aren't, that's okay. I was like, I think this embodies the whole record. Because the record is a chaos of being okay and not being okay. So I think, yeah, just that, you know, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's great. And I think it's nice, like, especially as a listener, listening to the album, you're kind of like reflecting all the different feelings you've been experiencing throughout the different songs. And it feels like a really nice way to like I suppose and the album what's that one like to play live I haven't played it live until um these record release shows I played it a couple times with Gemma um a couple summers ago outside but yeah it's um the room gets dead quiet Mm. uh a lot of people get real like I look out and see people cry because um, wow. it's just it is this, uh, if you are going through a breakup you, it, it's it's gonna be sad um and uh so it's really it's really powerful to sing live especially when there's a harmony i think the harmony is so important in that song yeah for sure to play it solo which i will in the future um i also i love playing solo sets but that one, when you sing it with someone else, uh, yeah, it just hits different. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. And like I said, great way to finish the album. So some quick fire questions. We might have covered some of it before. Which song came together the quickest and which took the longest? Uh, Wherever You Aren't was the quickest. Nice. And I guess You Know I Know took the longest. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite song off the album? Really varies day to day, um, but I think looking back at it, uh, wherever you aren't, will be one that I'm like. No matter where I'm at in my life, I'll be like, I wrote a good song. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, great. Um, do you have a favorite lyric or song with favorite lyrics from it? I think right now my favorite song with the lyrics is Clown Song. Because uh, I say, it's a downpour and I've got water balloons. They don't have the same effect they once did. And the rest of my bag of tricks to find a love that sticks has a hole in the bottom and doesn't even zip. I like that line. So good. So good. Um, and which song are you most looking forward to playing live if you haven't played it live already? 
Um, we intentionally played all of them live at my record release shows oh. here in Chicago. Um, but it was really exciting to finally play wherever you weren't live. Oh. Um, and I look forward to playing that one live again. Yeah. Sure. Very exciting. So final game is called What's the Occasion? Brown, I give you three different occasions and you got to, if you had to pick one song off the album for each occasion, which would it be? So you've got a wedding, a wedding song, might be a first dance or it might just be at any point in a wedding. Soft serve. Say that, soft serve. Nice. Yeah, great shout. A dinner party. So um, like friends around, maybe on the record player. The conversation starter, maybe headgear. Mm, nice. That will like kind of make you stop and like listen and then have a chat about it. Maybe, yeah. Or <laughs> soft serve again. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you can do if you want to. You can change the game. You can change it. And uh, last one is a car road trip. Uh, it's. I guess it depends on the mood. Maybe differently. That one's kind of mm. could be fun to drive to. <laughs> Soft surf again. I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think. Or like differently. Whatever I'm saying. Go I'm differently. Saying. I gotta say, I do like listen to emotionally available while it's driving and trying like, and then doing the long note as well. That's quite a therapeutic one to like drive and sing along <laughs> to. If no one's in the car, obviously, because <laughs> otherwise, poor them having to listen to me try and sing. But um. Yes, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you going through the whole album. Congrats again on it. What have you got coming up in 2023 in terms of future? You kind of mentioned a bit at the beginning, actually. Yeah, I definitely plan on it. It, It's weird. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen when, but I do know it's going to be a very busy year. Um, Next couple months, I'm just going to be doing a lot of writing and collaborating and just like playing little local things here in Chicago and around the Midwest. And then I think late March onward, I'm just gonna uh, do as much as this booking agent can, um, you know, get booked for me. Yeah. I, yeah, I love, I love playing live. Um, Hopefully. Um, I I also want to demo out some new songs. I've got like 30 plus songs. I want to, like release and I think I want to get some good demos to maybe have the next record be on a label because I self-released this one. Right. Um, so I think this, this, and I, I've realized that this record, I wanted a label. I wanted a booking agent. I wanted those things and it wasn't happening, which is why I sat on it for so long. And then I realized that, no, this is my tool to get those things. This is, I'm going to do this myself and show people that like, I can do this on my own and I will. And I think when you show people that and you just, you don't give up and you just keep pushing, um, some things can happen. And, and for example, the, the, the agent worked out and now hopefully for the next record, um, even more people will be involved just to get it out there more. Um, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about the record. Cause it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to get people um, just to get someone to listen to it. Cause most people, you know, don't know things exist. So things like this and, you know, playlists or whatever that 
yeah. can really help you find a new a new fan. So I really appreciate it. Ah, no, it's amazing. And people obviously can look at your social media and get on your website and then see when you're going on tour. And then you never know, you might come over to the UK in 2023. That'll be amazing. That'll be really cool. I'm going to really try. Really, really try. Because I've got the friend over there. They could just hop over. and it'd be Yeah, really... get Alan, Alan over here. Alan and Quiva and Oshin. There you go. Oshin. I don't think I said that right at the beginning, but. I call him Oshin forever. And everyone, all my Irish friends gave me shit. They're like, you sound so American. I'm like, it's <laughs> Yeah. I've got to admit that I did have to have my Irish friend help me with the names. I was like, I got these names. I really need you to help me because I can't. Yeah. Hey, you crushed Thank it. Thank you. you well, that's the most important thing. Um, thank you so much. Like, really appreciate your time. Congrats again with the album. It's brilliant. I'm just really, really excited for what you guys, what you've got coming up in the future. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of LP Uncovered. If you like this one, you can go back and listen to all my previous episodes featuring lots of wonderful musicians. Just head along to wherever you listen to your favourite podcasts and subscribe away. Likewise, you can follow LP Uncovered on Instagram to keep up to date with upcoming episodes.